Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, uh, we're talking about LNG. Now, many of you know that uh, we are still in the midst of construction on the LNG Canada project. That's the largest uh, private sector investment in the history of this country. The plant is up in Kitimat uh, in the northwest, of course, of British Columbia. Gas will be coming from the northeast. But there are many other smaller projects uh, many groups are looking at, particularly First Nations communities, including the Heisla, Nishka Nation, the Metlakatla, and Halfway River First Nations as well. They're part of the First Nations Climate Initiative. Uh, and they, with the organization, um, put together a study uh, to look at whether Western Canadian LNG can make meaningful contributions to GHG emissions, uh, emissions reductions in Asia, and what are the pathways to getting some of these projects built. Uh, the study was led by Dr. Robert Johnston. He is an executive director at the Centre on Global Energy Policy at Columbia uh, University. Dr. Johnston, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, first and foremost, um, how viable is BC LNG today and now in the midst of an energy transition? I think it's um, still very viable. Um, I think that the gas demand growth in Asia will likely be faster than other regions that are moving faster on energy transition, uh, such as Europe, uh, for example. Um, but it's also the case that both natural gas and some natural gas, so-called abated natural gas, like gas with carbon capture, renewable natural gas, things like blue hydrogen ammonia, may also contribute um, to part of the energy transition as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 15 years ago, uh, Australia was pushing very hard in the LNG space. They built many LNG plants. The U.S. soon after as well, uh, built many plants as well, and continue to do so, and not just for Asia, but also uh, for the European market. Uh, and it's been further, I guess, um, sped up because of what's happening uh, in Ukraine. Uh, you still have Qatar uh, uh, growing significantly as well. With those two suppliers, uh, new suppliers, uh, add to that, uh, China, uh, Russia wanting to provide natural gas for China, what are the countries we should be looking at when you say Asia? What specific countries should we be looking at in regards to still a potential opening for uh, LNG from British Columbia? Yeah, I think that countries like Japan and Korea um, may not be growing as fast as some markets like China and India, but they're evolving towards using natural gas that's lower methane intensity and has lower life cycle emissions like a lot of the gas out of British Columbia. Uh, So that's one potential market to look at. And then there's other markets like Vietnam and the Philippines and Indonesia that have signed agreements with the G7 group of countries to begin phasing out coal from their economy. Uh, and, you know, coal can be replaced by renewables, it can be replaced by batteries or hydrogen or nuclear or hydro, uh, but also could be replaced by natural gas, depending on the pricing uh, and depending on the infrastructure that those countries have. So I think those are the two markets that are the most interesting is our sort of G7, G20 allies that share our climate and geopolitical goals, mm-hmm. like Japan and Korea, and then some of these faster growth Southeast Asian markets that are looking to get out of coal. And in regards to the energy transition itself, some have said, look, we're moving relatively quickly or in the world when it comes to EVs. We're actually we're talking about a segment about this issue at 4.30, that the energy transition is moving quickly, that in many ways, uh, not that time has passed British Columbia by, but it's going to be very difficult to attract the billions of dollars required to get these LNG plants built when the energy transition is upon us and uh, there's so many others competing in that space. What would you say to that? Yeah, I'm, the report doesn't make the case that we're in a golden age for gas. I think the golden age for gas uh, has come and gone, and I think that 
you know, things like renewables are capturing a lot of market share. And in many ways, natural gas is now competing more, less with wind and solar, more with things like batteries to be a backup fuel uh, to wind and solar. But that said, uh, you know, we are going to be losing some Russian gas from the market. Uh, we are losing some of the mature suppliers like Brunei and Indonesia and Malaysia that are having peak production. And we still have, even within the energy transition, uh, a lot of high growth gas demand markets. And again, remember for Asia, um, a big part of the energy transition for them, much like it was in the U.S. and Canada 15 to 20 years ago, is from coal to gas. Now, again, it won't be exactly the same as it was here because our gas is very cheap. Uh, but I think there are so many elements uh, across Asia where gas will be part of the alternative to coal. Mm-hmm. Do you see, could you name one or two hurdles here in British Columbia you think that are uh, uh, making it difficult for some of these projects to be built or uh, exported to Asia in your mind? What do you think we need to do better here in this province? Because this study and, and the projects that are moving forward now after LNG Canada are going to be smaller, but a lot of them are led by First Nations communities. What is it that needs to be done do you think could speed up that process? Yeah, I think five or ten years ago, uh, one would have said that a lack of Indigenous partnerships and participation was a big headwind to a lot of these projects. Uh, and, you know, the province has made a lot of progress in structuring, you know, benefit-sharing agreements with uh, local Native communities that have shared sort of equity interest in these projects. So that, that's an issue. I think the biggest issue still is just cost, right, that these are huge projects. Uh, they put a lot of strain in the workforce. Uh, they put a lot of strain on, on sort of the raw material side. Uh, and the more we can kind of be efficient in cost uh, and look to bring in um, materials, um, you know, from other countries, sort of prefab materials, the, the more we can sort of reuse the workforce that we already have out there that's working on LNG Canada, uh, I think the better off we're going to be. Because from a productivity perspective, you know, that's where we, um, you know, I think we're good. But competing with the giants like U.S. and Qatar is really part of the challenge.